Good to see you. And I know that's an odd title, isn't it? Thanksgiving in July. But what do we do at Thanksgiving? We give thanks. We eat turkey. Do you, around the time of Thanksgiving, are are you influenced to take stock of your life and, and really think about things that are blessings to you? I think most of us probably do that in one way or another around Thanksgiving time. And you know as well as I do, it should never be limited to the last Thursday or the fourth Thursday in, in November. That doesn't work. But this is the season when we celebrate Independence Day on July the 4th because that's when the Declaration of Independence was accepted by the Continental Congress. And so that's what we think of on July the 4th is our independence. But when you think about the fact that we are here and now, and what we have that's come before us that has prepped our nation and our place in this nation to be the way it is. I don't know of anybody on the earth who should be more grateful than us for what has gone before us. And I know in this day and time, there are a lot of detractors, a lot of people who are saying things about the founders, that they were not religious men, that they were not Christian, that they were all secular men and that's all they wanted was a secular society. And I'm here to tell you, that's a lie. It's a, it's a bona fide, bald-faced lie. And I've got some evidence to prove it. It's all documented history. And it's anything that you could look up online when you wanted to. You can ask Rabbi Google as, as our guide would say when we were going through Israel. I don't know. I'll ask Rabbi Google. But here are some things I want you to consider as we begin this presentation this morning. And let me see if I can find the remote and see if it works. It doesn't. Go to the next slide. We're going to be looking at this for a long time. This is from Daniel chapter 4. Notice it's repeated three times. The Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomsoever he wishes. Who was king at that time? Nebuchadnezzar was king. And Nebuchadnezzar had looked at himself and he talked about the great nation that he had created and he was so very wrong. He couldn't be more wrong. And so when we look at a nation, these... There are this, this principle is absolutely true. God is the one who sets up nations. It's not happenstance. It's not chance. It's not evolution. It's God. God is the one who sets up nations and brings them down. And when we see the other passages, like the next one from the 33rd Psalm, this is what we looked at earlier as we started our worship assembly this morning. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. This is an excerpt from that 33rd Psalm. But this is the truth. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Who would David have had in mind at that time? But Israel, his own nation. But any nation that makes God its Lord is blessed. That's what this text says. What it also says is, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. And that is an absolute truth. The 34th Psalm will say, The angel of the Lord encamps around about those who fears him and delivers them. And God has delivered this nation in so many ways through the years. And I believe what if much of what he's done for us is because of our, our uh, 
the honor that this nation has shown him in so many ways. Next slide, please. American History 101. This is stuff that every student should learn in school. This isn't some uh, set of facts shoved off in a corner somewhere, but these are obvious things that children ought to be taught, and I, I wish they were. Next slide, please. Our Declaration of Independence. First paragraph. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them to another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separation and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle. There it is. In our Declaration of Independence, right here in the first paragraph, there's a recognition of nature's God. And if this were the only reference to God, that would be one thing, but there are others. Next slide, please. Second paragraph of our Declaration of Independence says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And a miracle has just occurred. Let's, let's pause for prayer that it keeps on working. Technology is great when it works, isn't it? But this is the second paragraph in our Declaration of Independence. And so we already have two references to the God of the Bible. And don't let anybody ever tell you, oh, that was just a, a general reference to a God, to a deity. No, if you look at history, you know, these men only had one God in mind, and that was the God of the Bible. Only one, and he was the one. Final paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress, assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world. Who was that? But God Almighty. That's whom these men recognized as God Almighty. That's who they included three times so far in our Declaration of Independence. And in that same paragraph... For the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. Not simply recognizing the God of the universe, the God of the Bible, but calling on him for his help in the establishment of this nation. This was our declaration of independence and still is. This is history. Nobody can erase this, though they can try. How about early presidents? What did they have to say about our nation's reliance upon God? George Washington, a very religious man. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of man and citizens. Now think about what George Washington is saying with, relation, with regard to what some are saying today that we are a secular nation, that we never were a Christian nation. He is saying that in vain, those people claim to be patriots. That to be a true patriot, George Washington said, you've got to support religion and morality. And we do, when he talked about religion, he was talking about the Christian religion. John Adams, second president of the United States, said this, it is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue. What is he saying? He's saying that it's not just that we put a reference to God four times in the Declaration of Independence. He's saying that the principles of Jesus Christ are the basis for our nation's constitution. 
That's what John Adams is saying. John Quincy Adams, 8th President of the United States. In the chain of human events, the birthday of the nation is indissolubly linked with the birthday of the Savior. What a statement for a President of the United States to make. Our nation's birth is linked to the birth of Jesus Christ. How about that? The Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. Once again, John John Adams had said it. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue, the the Christian principles of morality and and, uh, religion have to be the basis for a constitution and are in fact the basis for a constitution. And John Quincy Adams said the same. These were not secular men. These were very religious men with a great regard for God. What about individual state constitutions? We have a national constitution, of course. I don't know if you're aware that every state has its own constitution. They didn't have to have a declaration of independence because they were declaring independence, but they do have constitutions. Let's take a look at them because most, most of the states had preambles. And a preamble is kind of an introductory statement to the Constitution. But even those that did not have preambles where they might mention God at other places, every state mentioned God or religion or the practice of Christianity. The preamble to Alabama's Constitution includes the claim, invoking the favor and guidance of Almighty God. So they're getting started to write their Constitution, and this is what they say to begin. Invoking what we're doing as we're doing it, we're invoking the favor and guidance of Almighty God. Connecticut, going from Alabama all the way north to Connecticut, acknowledging with gratitude the good providence of God. Delaware, small state over there on the East Coast, but very significant. Through divine goodness, they say. Iowa, grateful to the supreme being. Oklahoma, here we are. Okies say, invoking the guidance of almighty God. So when somebody says, oh, Oklahoma, they're, they're not a Christian state. We're all secular. Go, oh, go back to the preamble of our Constitution where the, wrote, the ones who wrote that document put down invoking the guidance of Almighty God. <clears throat> Alaska, Minnesota, Montana, South Carolina, these states, including Wyoming, include grateful to God. And who would they have been talking about except the God of the Bible? You go back to the day and time in which these states were founded, everybody would have known it's the God of the Bible. Colorado, Missouri, with profound reverence for the supreme ruler of the universe. These, I think there's 27 or 28 states noted here, have this included in their preamble to their constitution. Grateful to Almighty God. You can see Louisiana, Kentucky, Kansas, Indiana, Illinois. You can read them for yourself. But these constitutions are all including references to the God of the Bible. Massachusetts, the great legislator of the universe. They're legislating their constitution. And now they're saying as they legislate their constitution, we're doing this under the guidance of the great legislator of the universe. The sovereign ruler of the universe is how they put it in Maine. Hawaii, grateful for divine guidance. Now, if you've ever been to Hawaii, you'll, you'll go to a, uh, oh, what's it called? A luau. Yeah. They got that good old tasty poi. Have you ever eaten poi? Old poi. But they put a pig in the ground and they roast that pig. I mean, they've got some good stuff to eat over there. But associated with their... Uh, their luau are the, the ancestral dances and things like that. And you'll go up in the mountains and they'll take you on tours and they'll talk about the gods that they used to worship. However, 
this is the Hawaiian constitution. And in that Hawaiian constitution, they're saying they are grateful for divine guidance. Washington, the supreme ruler of the universe. That's Washington State, by the way. This is my home state, West Virginia. I'm so proud of these hillbillies. Look what they wrote. Since through divine, and I say hillbilly with uh, the the highest regard of respect, I myself am a hillbilly. Since through divine providence we enjoy the blessings of civil, political, and religious liberty, we, the people of West Virginia, in and through the provisions of this constitution, reaffirm our faith in and constant reliance upon God. Yeah, that's a pretty secular statement, isn't it? I don't know how much you realize uh, uh, about the the formation of West Virginia as a state, but it happened during the Civil War. Great conflict in this nation. Brother against brother, family against family. It was, it was a horrible time. At Gettysburg, you've, you've heard of Gettysburg, the Battle of Gettysburg. As many casualties took place at Gettysburg, almost we had throughout the entire Vietnam War. One battle in Pennsylvania. We're talking about a horrible conflict. But in that conflict, West Virginia said, we're going to separate ourselves from the state of Virginia, and here's what we're going to put in our Constitution that we are reaffirming our faith in and constant reliance upon God. Five states either have no preamble to their constitutions or no direct reference to God in their preamble, but each of these five states, just five, each of these five state constitutions do declare the following. New Hampshire, Article 5, every individual has a natural and unalienable right to worship God according to the dictates of his own conscience. Oregon, Section 2, all men shall be secure in the natural right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own consciences. And I want you to notice in these statements, they're not saying any deity of their choice. What are they saying? They're talking about Almighty God, supreme ruler of the universe, some, some phraseology that lets you know they're talking about the God of the Bible. That's the only God. You go back in that day, that's the only God they would have had in mind when they put these documents together. Tennessee, Section 3, all men have a natural and indefeasible right to worship Almighty God in their state constitution. Vermont, Article 3, check this one out. That all persons have a natural and unalienable right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own consciences and understandings as in their opinion shall be regulated by the word of God. What do you think they were talking about when they said by the word of God? Not, not the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, but not, they weren't talking about the Quran. Talking about the Bible. Every sect or denomination of Christians ought to observe the Sabbath or Lord's Day and keep up some sort of religious worship which to them shall seem most agreeable to the revealed will of God. This is in the state constitution. And people are saying... Our founders were secular. They need to read a little history. This is the Virginia Constitution. Section 16. That religion or the duty which we owe to our creator. Are you picking up on that? The state constitution says you as a citizen of Virginia have a duty to your creator. And the manner of discharging it can be directed only by reason and conviction. Not by force or violence. And therefore, all men are equally entitled to the free exercise of religion according to the dictates of conscience. And that it is the mutual duty of all to practice Christian forbearance, love, and charity towards each other. 
Where'd these men come from? Well, they came from Europe. They came from England. What was happening in Europe? For centuries, wars were being fought over whether you were a Protestant or a Catholic. What was your religion? These guys said, we we need to change this. And they came to these shores, and these were the documents they put down. Now, if you're asking me, were these guys perfect, and was our nation perfect? Well, of course not. No nation is perfect any more than any individual is perfect. But they put these things down on paper. And these were the things that have, through the years, made great changes to bring us back around to the things that are right, rather than to allow us to continue to wallow in things that are wrong. These were the state constitutions. This is an interesting account. After the war had been fought, after independence had been gained, Continental Congress came together again to talk about some serious issues, and they weren't getting very far. It was Ben Franklin. And I don't know how much you've heard about Ben Franklin, but he's, he's one of those of whom it is said he was a very secular man. He had no time for Christianity. But this is Ben Franklin, and it's well documented, so we know that it's true. To the Constitutional Convention of 1787 in Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in this situation of this assembly, groping as it were in the dark to find political truth, and scarce able to distinguish it when presented to us, how has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying to the Father of Lights to illuminate our understandings? Where did he get that phraseology, Father of Lights? comes to us right out of the book of James, James chapter 1. In the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayer. We had daily prayer in this room for the divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard and they were graciously answered. What has Ben Franklin affirming but that those men who put our government together in the beginning went to God daily praying for his blessings on, the, on, on the, the whole process. He continues, All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. To that kind providence, we owe this happy opportunity of consulting in peace on the means of establishing our future national felicity. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend? Or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? What has Ben Franklin saying? He says, oh, sure, we'll pray to God during war, but now it's peacetime. We don't need God anymore. He says, no, that's the wrong way to think. How can we pray to him during wartime and not pray to him during peace? How can we think that we can get anywhere without God's guidance? That's what Ben Franklin is saying. I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, by the way, where did he get that idea? That's straight out of the Sermon on the Mount. is, Is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, that in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Well, who's he quoting there? That's from the Psalms. Ben Franklin is quoting scripture and he's quoting it to our, our, our governing body and saying we need to be praying for God or praying to God for his help. 
I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. Another obvious reference to the 11th chapter of Genesis. We shall be divided by our little partial local interests. Our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves shall become a reproach and a byword down to the future ages. And what is worse, mankind may hereafter this unfortunate instance, despair of establishing governments by human wisdom and leave it to chance, war, and conquest. And it's interesting how this nation has progressed through the, through the time since our establishment. We've not gone about seeking to conquer other lands as most nations have in the past. Even during times of war when we are victorious over a nation, we give the nation back. Germany is not our colony. Japan is not our colony. Those nations belong to themselves. What am I saying? I'm saying that this nation is unique in the world. And that you and I ought to be very grateful for that. And it's God's doing. It's God's doing. It's not Ben Franklin's doing. Ben Franklin was simply recognizing that God had blessed them. It wasn't George Washington's doing or John Adams' doing or John Quincy Adams' doing. It wasn't their doing. It was their recognition of God in the beginning that got all this started. And here we are, all these years later, celebrating independence, celebrating freedom. And isn't that what God came to give us in the first place? Freedom. Not political freedom, but freedom from our sin. And these men have patterned the documents that founded this nation on those same principles that God gave us in the beginning. And so today, I'm telling you, you've got a lot to be grateful for. You can choose whether or not you want to be proud to be an American. But I think we should be grateful to God for what we are enjoying today. And I think when somebody says to you or to me, oh, the founders were secular, we ought to ask them if they've ever read any of the state constitutions. And they would find out very quickly reading any one of these state constitutions that those men were not secular. But they recognized the God of the Bible and they put him forward as the one upon whom they depended. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you for what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. We would have nothing without him, without your gift. But in this world, we look all over the world and we see chaos and turmoil. We see oppression. We see war. We see great difficulties, poverty. But in this nation, we still see people clamoring to come here. And the reason they clamor to come here is because of the blessings you have showered down on us. You are the one who raises nations. You're the one who puts them down. And we thank you for raising this nation. And for whatever reason, Lord, you've seen fit to put us here. And and you know I've asked that several times. Why me? Why me? Why do I get to enjoy this blessing? But you, you put me here. You put us here. And my prayer is right now, Lord, that we will all consider... How grateful we should be to you for the blessings we have. And not simply be grateful, but to make use of our freedom. To bring you honor and glory. To make use of our freedom. To proclaim the gospel, as Mike was saying a little while ago. 
to be lights, as your son taught us, to be salt, to be cities on hills, to stand up for what is true and what is right, no matter however it comes before us and whenever it comes before us, but to be your servants, your people, be the children of the Most High God. Thank you, Lord. Bless us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've seen how this nation was founded, but do you know how the church was founded? The church was founded in Pentecost, 33 AD or 30 AD, right around in there, but it was all based on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when Peter preached that simple message on Pentecost, about 3,000 people obeyed the gospel. And what's the gospel? That's the death, burial, and resurrection. And that's what he said when they asked, what do we do? He said, repent and let everyone of you be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was the proclamation that he made on that day, and it's the same proclamation being made today. You can be an American and be blessed by being an American, but if all you are when you die is an American, you're lost. You must be part of the kingdom of God. How grateful are you for the kingdom that he gave you? If you're not part of that kingdom this morning, we want to help you, talk to you about that. We want to baptize you into Christ if that's your will. Pray with you, whatever it is. Just come forward and let us know how we might help you as we stand and sing the invitation song together.